The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Feel it coming in the air. Yeah. And the screams from everywhere. Yeah. I'm addicted to the truth. It's a dangerous Sorry. love affair. Can't be scared when it goes down. Got a problem, tell me Sorry. now. Only thing that's on my mind is who's around this Welcome to Call Me Last of Sports Talk Radio Show. Alex Clancy in studio today, voiceamerica.com, 888-346-9144. Follow me on Twitter at Clancy's Corner. Follow Kwame at Kwame Lassiter. Uh, got a lot to talk about today. We'll start with some NBA. I'll preview the Sweet 16 games that are going on this afternoon and evening. Talk a little Northwestern, uh, college football, college players in general, athletes, trying to unionize, become employees. Uh, the verdict came down, the initial verdict, I should say, because this will go into litigation for years to come. I do believe I'll talk more about that later. I'll talk about a coach falsifying his college records that ended up keeping him from getting a job at South Florida. Uh, and I'll, you know, I'll cover a little bit more, maybe expanding the playoffs in the NFL later on. 888-346-9144, voiceamerica.com, Kwame Lasseter Sports Talk. Ooh, after the show today, I'm going to San Diego. I cannot wait to get out of town. It's going to be a nice four days. Going to see the girlfriend, going to a wedding for the family. Good to see Randy Linda. Finally get to meet Brother Sam, which I've been uh, waiting to do for a while. So uh, it should be a good weekend. Uh, I am excited about the Sweet 16. Um, let's start with that. Four games on, on the slate tonight. You know, this has been an interesting tournament. Uh, so many things have come come to light that made me realize that one and dones are bad for the game, first of all, and I know we've talked about that a lot, but uh, it's showing that, especially through the tournament with Dayton and Stanford and a lot of close games uh, with the one sixteen matchups even, uh, Florida had a tough one, Wichita State had a tough one to a certain extent. I mean... What I mean by tough one is that most of the 16 seeds played with the one seeds for the first half and even trickling into the into the beginning of the second half before um, the one seeds ended up ending up uh, taking care of business. But what I mean by the one and dones are bad for the game and and the whole theory behind college basketball as a whole is that the good teams aren't as good as they used to be and the quote-unquote bad teams, mid-majors, are getting better. I know there are only a set amount of scholarships that can go towards players for the, for the big schools, and they usually take the blue chippers, obviously, with Kansas, Louisville, Michigan State, Duke, uh, North Carolina. Uh, but there are a lot of talented players that go to other schools so they can get more playing time. And history has shown that it doesn't matter what college you go to. If you're good, they'll find you. If you're good, you will get drafted. 
March Madness is one of the biggest spectacles in sports, obviously. I say that's the 1A to, to the one that is the Super Bowl. And players that shine during March Madness in the conference tournaments to a lesser extent get noticed. And the big-name guys that don't perform in the tournament, the GMs in the NBA have to take notice of that, have to take note. Andrew Wiggins, and we've talked about this, and and I'll keep this brief. Andrew Wiggins had an awful game against Stanford. Awful. Four points, four turnovers, six shots. Jabari Parker had a better game with Duke against Mercer, but obviously not good enough because they got busted by a 14 seed. On the other side, you have the early kid from Wichita State who just tore it up. He rose to the occasion against Kentucky when the team needed him. Obviously, and they did lose this game. And this was a coin flip going into the last... I mean, the whole game. It was back and forth, back and forth. The early kid is going to get drafted. And I think he'll be a first-rounder now. I think he's... He supplanted himself as one of the best players in college basketball. Why haven't you heard about him? Because he doesn't go to Stanford. I mean, he doesn't go to Kansas. doesn't go to Arizona. doesn't go to Florida. doesn't go to Duke. He goes to a quote-unquote mid-major who has a bunny schedule, in theory. So his numbers don't mean as much. But through the conference tournament, through even that game against Kentucky alone, Scouts saw that. Scouts noticed. The Kane kid from, uh, oh, oh my God, it, it, it's slipping me, uh, from Iowa State had a huge game against North Carolina. Nobody gave Ohio- Iowa State a chance in that game because their best player went out the game before with an injury. And this kid pretty much single-handedly took them down the stretch and beat a formidable opponent on the biggest stage in college basketball and he supplanted himself. And the interesting part about those two guys, who I have total man crushes on at this point, is they're seniors. They've been through it. They've balanced school and sport and become exemplary at their craft. And they will be rewarded. Granted, yes, they, they're freakishly talented Great size. They're NBA caliber size right now. I see, you know, a kind of Kenneth Fareed situation, Moorhead State, and I alluded to this a few days ago. People knew of Kenneth Fareed before the tournament, but when he took Moorhead State on that deep run, nobody thought they were going to do anything in that tournament. He'd become a first-round draft pick. Late first round. If it weren't for the rookie class that he was in, he could have won rookie of the year. He's a double-double machine. And I know he's fallen out of favor in Denver. Brian Shaw going there might have had something to do with that. Not all new coaches like all of their personnel. But Kenneth Freed will be in the league for a long time. And I believe that, that Early and, and, and Kane will be as well. So back to my original point, 
the tournament this year has been predicated upon teams with experience that may not be as talented from 1 to 15 on their roster and teams that have these blue chippers that are just being borrowed by the school on their path to the NBA. And thus far, teams are winning games, not players. This isn't a Carmelo Anthony effect when he was with Syracuse. He's kind of my exception to the rule because he put his whole Syracuse team on his shoulders and took him to the promised land. Granted, Jerry McNamara, the point guard who shot the lights out, um, had a lot to do with it. He, he had some really, really big shots and a lot of them in key situations. They had a key work. I mean, they had a really good team. But Carmelo was the star coming out of Oak Hill. And then you have Kemba Walker with Connecticut, which was, I believe, three years ago, I want to say. Connecticut wasn't even supposed to make the tournament. They won their conference championship. And then they ended up running all the way to the championship. They played Butler in the final, which was um, lucky for them, I should say. It was a pretty close game. It was one of the ugliest games I've ever watched. But Kemba Walker's an example of a guy that was an upperclassman that did the same thing. I feel like the latter is more prevalent and happens more than, than the former. It's problematic with these one and dones, and the schools are suffering. Duke is suffering. Kansas is suffering. This is supposed to be their year. I wonder how long it will take before those schools, and those predominantly. I mean, I guess you can kind of group Arizona in there too, but we'll have to see what Aaron Gordon does after this year. It'll be interesting to see what happens with Duke and Kansas. If they'll align their recruiting process around a Louisville and Michigan State where Tom Izzo keeps guys. Rick Pitino keeps guys. They're old school coaches in a new school world. And they're not even that old. They've just learned the process. They recruit character guys. Guys that want to get a degree. Guys that want to learn how to play basketball the right way and know that it's going to take more than one year. Not only is that good for the kids, predominantly, that is the number one goal. It's for the kids. It's also good for the school. Makes the the coaches look good. It makes the school as an institution look good because the term student-athlete still pertains to those colleges. We are losing that across the board with big-name schools. Kentucky, I mean, they're exciting to watch. Nobody questions that. Starting five freshmen, the two brothers in the backcourt shot the lights out against Wichita State. They played like seniors against Wichita State. I was shocked. 
I'm not sure if it was the perfect storm. I'm not sure if John Calipari is finally getting through to these guys. Telling them you have to win as a team. I'm not sure why he wouldn't say that day one. With a guy like Julius Randle there, I, I do believe it's easier to have your best player as a low post guy, even though he's kind of hybrid. He's he's a double-double guy. He's a low post guy. I do believe it's easier to have your number one player as a low post guy as opposed to you know a Steph Curry, a shooter, Jabari Parker. Because you get to be a top three player going into college out of all of the high school ranks, out of all of the high school players, by being able to do something really well. Rebounding and finishing around the basket is key for anybody that wants to go to the NBA. It seems so elementary. A guy that's 6'8", 6'9", can't rebound? Come on. But actually talking about it and being able to do it, two different things. On paper... Andrew Wiggins blows the roof off anything. But when it comes down to winning games on the biggest stage in college basketball, he folded. He was a non-factor. If he went two for 30, good. At least he had that instinct, that killer instinct, to shoot the ball because he knows he's the best player on his team. But he didn't. Kwame Lester Sports Talk, Alex Clancy in studio. Got to take a break. On the other side, I'll continue this conversation. I'll preview the games tonight, and we'll get into some NBA a little bit later on. Alex Clancy, Kwame Lester Sports Talk. I'll be back. Your internet flagship station for sports. Sports. The job of a professional athlete is never complete. In Life After the Game, host Lamar Campbell will take an inside look at how athletes are making the transition from the professional athletics world to the professional business world. You'll understand the goals, motivations, and personalities that drive these players off the field and in their post-professional career. Tune in to Life After the Game with Lamar Campbell every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Hi, I'm Ed Krell, CEO of Destination Maternity. We proudly support the March of Dimes work to reduce the rate of premature birth. The numbers have gone down in the past five years, but still, nearly half a million babies are born too soon in the United States each year. We're helping the March of Dimes fund cutting-edge research and community programs to help more moms have full-term pregnancies and healthy babies. Join us in working together for stronger, healthier babies. Visit MarchofDimes.com. Sports and medicine go hand in hand. Quite simply, if you aren't up to your game health-wise, you won't be up to your game on the field. That's where Bruce the Sports Doc comes in. Dr. Bruce Grossinger uses his medical training and experience to bring you a link between sports and medicine. From the latest advances and treatments to discussion behind the injuries of the week, Bruce the Sports Doc and his team of guest experts are here each week to lay it on the line in terms that you can understand. Tune in every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. Arms. 
Welcome back. Formula Center Sports Talk. Alex Clancy in studio solo today. 888-346-9144. Give me a call. Let me know what you think. Follow me at Clancy's Corner on Twitter. It's kind of running around the one and dones uh, versus uh, experience in the NCAA tournament. It's that's yielded so much parity in this tournament, and it's it's exciting, but it's problematic for uh, for the NCAA as a whole. I do believe. This afternoon and tonight, four very exciting games. Dayton-Stanford, UCLA-Florida, Baylor-Wisconsin, San Diego State-Arizona. Which one am I most excited for? Believe it or not, it's Baylor-Wisconsin. And trust me, at the beginning of this tournament, I never thought I would have said that. But I have hold, held zero weight on the Wisconsin Badgers in this tournament. I just don't believe that they're up for the task to make a deep run. And why I say that is because in their history, regardless of if they're a two-seed, four-seed, five-seed, they always disappointed. Always. Big games, they wouldn't show up. And, you know, I've, I've eaten my words. They looked really good. You know, they've supplanted themselves as one of the... One of the I've already said supplanted. They've... In, you know, they've made themselves relevant in this tournament. And then on the other side, Baylor, freakishly talented. You could see what they did to Creighton uh, last week. Just punish them. Just absolutely punish them. Punish the best player in the country, Doug McDermott, just by raw talent, speed, and be able to shoot the rock. And if they can continue to stay hot... They could beat anybody. They could beat any team left in this tournament if they stay as hot as, as they were against Creighton. Now, on the other side of that, it's tough to do that two games in a row. It's tough to go 11 for 18 from three, shoot over 55% from the field, and force as many turnovers as they did last week. I'm picking them to win this game, though. I'm, I'm riding the hot hand, and uh, I see Baylor as a, as a Cinderella story here. Baylor, as an institution, football and basketball, let's talk primarily about those, have gone from a school that nobody wanted to go play sports at because they were awful. They were so bad in football for so long. And then last year they broke every single offensive record from NCAA history. And you have Brittany Griner with Baylor Baylor women. They're crushing it still. Having her go there as opposed to going to Connecticut, I mean just Connecticut period, put them on the map and now people are going there and now the wheels are in motion and then men's basketball people that say the Big 12 is weak are fools they were the toughest conference this year top to bottom so I'm excited to watch that game that game is going to be one it's more you know Midwestern ball versus running gun it's a clash of two completely different styles of basketball. So we'll see. Florida-UCLA, 
you know, Steve Alford's done a great job his first year there at UCLA. Uh, people were hesitant when he when he signed. I think it was a ten year deal. You know, hasn't shown much as a coach, but he's got those guys right what they want to be. Florida, uh, Florida's just too good. I think this one is going to be the most lopsided game of the four tonight. Florida's just too good. Top to bottom, they do everything well. They play good defense. They can hit the three. They work as a team. They have experience. Billy Donovan has experience. If they win this year, he is, if not a top-tier coach in college basketball, He's right under that. He'll be right under Shashevsky, Izzo, Calipari, Patino. He's right there. This is a this would be a big run for Florida basketball, and and I I think they'll I think they'll beat UCLA pretty handily tonight. Dayton Stanford. This one's going to be interesting. A lot of people are picking Dayton just because they're the hot they're the hot choice right now. Stanford's kind of you know moving under the radar a little bit. The difference between these two teams is that Stanford had to hold on against Kansas. They had to hold on. There was a point when Kansas was full-court pressing them, and they turned the ball over three, four times in, in ten possessions. But they're an older team. They're an experienced team. They have one main score, which is huge in college basketball, because so you have some guy to go to when the going gets tough. But their ball handling skills under pressure are suspect. And you definitely could see that against Kansas. Dayton, on the other hand, they are the quintessential mid-major. Very talented. I'm sure a lot of these guys could have gotten scholarships to bigger schools and just would have been the sixth or seventh guy off the the seventh or eighth guy in line to play. But they chose to go to a smaller school with good history in the tournament. And they look great. They look solid. There are no real weaknesses in their game. They're not the fastest team. But, I mean, their pedigree in this tournament alone has shown they can win close games. And they have, and it's they they had to be on the offensive as opposed to the defensive to hold on to a win. They had to win these games. So I'm picking Dayton. Unless Stanford shoots the lights out, I feel like Dayton is more equipped to win a game like this that nobody expected would even come into play. Now I said Baylor Wisconsin was the most this was the game I was most excited about. This is the one that interests me the most, that intrigues me the most. Arizona San Diego State is the fourth one. The nightcap. Arizona can put up points, we know that. Nick Johnson's a beast. You know, we know we've watched Arizona a lot. They had Duke and Kansas TV time. This year. So, and we know the Pac 12 is tough up top. San Diego State, on the other hand, 
they play ugly basketball. And we've known this. They've done this forever. Even when they made the Elite Eight a few years back with Kawhi Leonard, they score in the 40s and 50s. So I'll tell you this. If this game is in the 50s, I'm in favor of San Diego State. And it's weird to say because Arizona has shown they can win any, any which way this year. And, and, and that's what any good team can do. They, they kind of take every game as its own separate entity and cultivate it and try to score more points than the other team. But if San Diego State slows the game down, plays good defense, gets the free throw line a lot, don't be surprised if San Diego State wins this game. It has to be a low-scoring game because San Diego State historically has not had a good offense. They've been a defensive-minded team. If it's in the 50s, San Diego State wins this game. Otherwise, I mean, Arizona could blow them out. Ooh, I'm excited. I am excited. All right, I want to stick to this because we, we haven't talked about this yet. Northwestern football players get the union vote. This is absolutely huge for college sports. Bad for the institutions, colleges. Bad for the NCAA. Fantastic and trailblazing for the players. For those of you who don't know, Northwestern football players started a union. They try to get accredited as a union. And the first line in the ESPN uh, article about this reads, In a potentially game-changing moment for college athletics, the Chicago District of the National Labor Relations Board ruled on Wednesday that Northwestern football players qualify as employees of the university and can unionize. Holy crap. Ed O'Bannon got up. Give a standing ovation in his room, office, whatever. He's been trying to do this ever since he, ever since he went to, to court to try and get some money out of uh, NCAA basketball video games that highlighted the 1995 UCLA team with their names on the back of their jerseys. If Kwame was here, he would say, Finally. Finally, some waves are set in motion that could potentially allow college athletes to be compensated as athletes, as employees of the university. Now, the student-athlete term is broad, and we know that. We know that that could mean a whole number of things. But the fact that a court ruled in favor of 20 and 21-year-olds as opposed to siding with the institutions that would have been the easy thing to do to squash this is huge. Now, granted, this is not a win yet. It's being acknowledged that there's a pulse in this conversation now. It's being acknowledged that college athletes are not being looked at as droids anymore. Money makers for the university. This will go into litigation. There's talks of the Supreme Court already. The SEC, the ACC, the Big Ten, 
the Pac-12 will throw all of their money in their piggy banks to keep this from happening. Because the money they lose now, hiring lawyers, hiring just counsels in general, experts, everything in that regard will save them 10 times that amount for years to come. Because if it comes down that I'm sure four or five years from now, this will finally settle one way or the other. We could have a mutiny on our hands if college athletes get favored against, get if the verdict is unfavorable to the athletes, or we'll have a whole other set of issues with 18, 19, 20, 21-year-olds getting paid to play a college sport. It's such a polarizing topic because nobody's right. Both sides cannot be right. The players are wrong because they are amateurs and amateurs do not get paid. The conferences, colleges, institutions as a whole are wrong because they exploit these kids for personal gain. This stalemate will come to an end and it's going to be bloody. Call me Lester Sports Talk, voiceamerica.com. I'll be right back. Internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. The job of a professional athlete is never complete. In Life After the Game, host Lamar Campbell will take an inside look at how athletes are making the transition from the professional athletics world to the professional business world. You'll understand the goals, motivations, and personalities that drive these players off the field and in their post-professional career. Tune in to Life After the Game with Lamar Campbell every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Hi, I'm Ed Krell, CEO of Destination Maternity. We proudly support the March of Dimes work to reduce the rate of premature birth. The numbers have gone down in the past five years, but still, nearly half a million babies are born too soon in the United States each year. We're helping the March of Dimes fund cutting-edge research and community programs to help more moms have full-term pregnancies and healthy babies. Join us in working together for stronger, healthier babies. Visit MarchofDimes.com. Sports and medicine go hand in hand. Quite simply, if you aren't up to your game health-wise, you won't be up to your game on the field. That's where Bruce the Sports Doc comes in. Dr. Bruce Grossinger uses his medical training and experience to bring you a link between sports and medicine. From the latest advances and treatments to discussion behind the injuries of the week, Bruce the Sports Doc and his team of guest experts are here each week to lay it on the line in terms that you can understand. Tune in every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. Welcome back. Kwame Lasseter Sports Talk. Alex Clancy in studio solo today. 888-346-9144. Follow me at Clancy's Corner on Twitter. Like our Facebook page. 
Subscribe to us on iTunes. Just search Kwame Lasseter Sports Talk. All of our archive shows are on there and on voiceamerica.com. We've been talking Northwestern college football. Athletes ruled that their union can be started. I'm, I'm just, I'm taken away. I'm taken aback. I, I, I don't know how this happened. These kids, it's tough to get in Northwestern. These kids are like, I'm done with this. I'm done getting taken advantage of. I'm surprised this wasn't like the University of Texas or UCLA or, you know, uh, teams that uh, with a rich history of winning. Northwestern, smart kids. The Big Ten, uh, I want to read you this quote. The Big Ten disagreed with the ruling, a shocker. Uh, statement that read, quote, While we respect the process followed by the National Labor Relations Board, we disagree with the ruling. We don't believe that student-athletes are university employees. The issues raised during the hearings are already being discussed at, at the national level, and we believe that students should be a part of the conversation. What does that mean? End quote. What does that mean? That means that the Big Ten are saying, hey, kids, please challenge us. We have guys on our side that went to law school, passed the bar. They've been doing this for 30 years. Challenge us. Oh, you're pre-law? How cute. Now, all the athletes will have is personal experience, which a lot of these suits do not have, which is a huge, huge part of their argument and huge strength that they have. They have that and they have history. There's a lot more athletes that have gone through college football, basketball, baseball, doesn't matter, soccer, swimming. There are a lot more former athletes than there are than there have been commissioners you know council all the suits chancellors deans whatever power in numbers has never been more prevalent so which way will the scale tip towards experience testimonials Or the money. Because that's where the money is. With the conferences. I am so excited to see what happens. And obviously I'm at leisure to say that because there's no bearing for me either way. I just get to talk about it. Which way will the scale tip? It's going to be a long time before we, before we find out. Pre-law and experience. Versus working attorneys, commissioners, and money. Ooh, it's going to be exciting. I'll tell you that much. And just either way, bravo to these Northwestern kids. And again, it's easy for me to say that because I have no weight in, on either side. 
Because I don't know if it's necessarily a good thing that college athletes get paid. So many players in professional sports get paid millions of dollars, and I understand that the college athletes won't get paid that much or even close to it. I understand that. But so many professional athletes get in trouble due to the money that they have. And they're upper 20s, early 30s, late 30s, and even after they're, after they're out of the league. What's going to happen if these athletes get paid? I mean, these 18, 19-year-old kids, they get 10 grand or something in their pocket. Bad things could happen. Focus can and may, may be lost. School might be out of the window. Might be defenestrated from the whole situation. And isn't that why they're there? Student athlete. And, and that's, where, that's where the whole gray area comes into play. What does a student athlete mean? We're giving you a scholarship to get your education and to play football. And will the, will the football and basketball players get paid more than the crew team? Every sport in college athletics hemorrhage money except for basketball, football, Women's basketball, I believe, is becoming more and more uh, prevalent. More and more relevant, I should say. Baseball, especially good schools. But everything else, they, they lose money. So is the backup catcher on the baseball team going to get paid as much as the starting quarterback on the football team? Do better players get paid more than scrubs? Does a freshman that walked walk on that walks on to the basketball team without a scholarship get paid? There's a lot more questions than there are answers. The only answer we do know now is that the wheels are in motion. There's no oil on them yet. They're rusted. They've been by the ocean for 30 years without being moved. Slowly but surely, inch by inch, the wheels are in motion. So I'm excited to see what happens, and uh, we will definitely keep a very, very close eye on this topic. Let's move over to the NBA. People are up in arms about, about the Heat Pacers gave last night. Uh, Pacers win 84-83. They had to outscore Indiana. They had to outscore Miami in the fourth quarter to win. Uh, LeBron James was LeBron James at thirty-eight, eight and five. You know, just another day in the office. He was interviewed after the game, and he didn't say exactly, but he didn't not say that Indiana was being too physical with him. Come on, you're a beast. Six eight two eighty. This is the only thing that I really took away from that game. Aside from Indiana took a lead, uh, even more so of a lead, they put some space in between Miami and themselves for the number one overall seed in the East, which is huge. I mean, that's huge. There's no denying that. Miami has had uh, the home court advantage the last two years, and they've beat 
Indiana, um, and that home court advantage was huge. The thing that I take away from that game alone is that the NBA is soft. It's not like the 80s anymore. Not even close. And and to, to LeBron's defense, and I'll so I'll group him with like Shaq. Those two guys are the two that come to mind right away, and and one of the only similarities between the two is that there was so much bigger than everybody else in their position at the time that they got fouled every time they touched the ball. Now refereeing those guys is probably the most difficult part in a referee's life in the NBA. Refereeing behemoths with regards to them being fouled or not. Say Steph Curry, Stephen Curry goes down the lane, he's six foot, 180, dripping wet. Goes down the lane, and somebody slaps his arm, he'll lose the ball, and he'll flail. LeBron James, he goes down the lane, somebody slaps his arm, he'll dunk the ball with authority. So do you call a foul the same way for everybody? No, you don't. Some people are stronger than others. Is that fair? Probably not. But that's just the, that's the lay of the land in the NBA. LeBron James would go to the line. He would have twenty. He would take twenty free throws a game if they called fouls uh, for him the way they do everybody else. Does it get frustrating? I'm sure it does for him. I mean, it's got to. He definitely sounded frustrated in the interview last night. I understand that part of it was because they lost. But it's not fair. I mean, and it isn't. But that's just the way it is. That is just the way it is. Referees swallow their whistles more with two minutes left in the fourth quarter than two minutes gone in the first quarter. It's just the way it is. And unfortunately for LeBron, he's he's the one that's affected by it. And granted, he gets, he gets a lot more calls than other people do when he may not be fouled because he's LeBron James. It, I mean, it's, it's just an interesting paradox. But I do believe, the, I mean, the NBA is just super soft. Indiana is looking like a dirty team. Get out of here. Get out of here. Chicago was, was deemed that as well to a certain extent when they were the number one overall seed a few years back. But, I mean, it's, it's basketball. You're, you're, if you're going down the lane, you're going to get hit. I remember getting knocked to my keister many times when I was playing ball, and I was in high school. Just the way it is. Now, I'm not comparing myself to anybody in the NBA, so let's not, let's not jump to conclusions here. But Indiana pulled out a good win. It was a close game. David West hit a huge three late in that game. I mean, it was an awful, awful. <laughs> I mean, nobody really expected him to take the shot that he did, but it went in, so he looks like a genius. It's coming down to the wire, though, in the NBA, and, and, and I'm excited to see what happens in the playoffs this year. I mean, I understand that the Eastern, the Eastern Conference is awful, and that's fine. But a lot of teams have kind of rallied. There are only two teams now that are under 500 that are going to make the playoffs. What were there, like six? A third of the way through the season? So it's getting better. Uh, granted, they're all playing each other, so I understand that somebody has to win those games. It's still bad basketball, but the, the playoffs will be interesting. Look out for Brooklyn. Look out for Chicago. That's all I'm going to say. Kwame Lester, Sports Talk, Alex Clancy in studio. I'll be right back. 
your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. The job of a professional athlete is never complete. In Life After the Game, host Lamar Campbell will take an inside look at how athletes are making the transition from the professional athletics world to the professional business world. You'll understand the goals, motivations, and personalities that drive these players off the field and in their post-professional career. Tune in to Life After the Game with Lamar Campbell every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Hi, I'm Ed Krell, CEO of Destination Maternity. We proudly support the March of Dimes' work to reduce the rate of premature birth. The numbers have gone down in the past five years, but still, nearly half a million babies are born too soon in the United States each year. We're helping the March of Dimes fund cutting-edge research and community programs to help more moms have full-term pregnancies and healthy babies. Join us in working together for stronger, healthier babies. Visit MarchofDimes.com. Sports and medicine go hand in hand. Quite simply, if you aren't up to your game health-wise, you won't be up to your game on the field. That's where Bruce the Sports Doc comes in. Dr. Bruce Grossinger uses his medical training and experience to bring you a link between sports and medicine, from the latest advances and treatments to discussion behind the injuries of the week. Bruce the Sports Doc and his team of guest experts are here each week to lay it on the line in terms that you can understand. Tune in every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. Welcome back to the Last of the Sports Talk. Alex Clancy in the studio. Final segment. Talked a lot of basketball today. Talked a little college athlete union. I'm excited about. I could talk seven hours about that. Uh, <clears throat> being from LA, I always kind of keep a pulse on the on the LA Dodgers and and the Lakers. Um, Clayton Kershaw to miss his the U.S. opener. Granted, they went and played uh, in Australia against the Diamondbacks. Won both games. He won his first start there. They won 3-1, and those were opening games. Uh, those games counted. So the Dodgers are 2-0, and before, and the Diamondbacks are 0-2 before anybody else has played a game. Clayton Kershaw will miss his next start with some tendonitis in his back, with some uh, in- inflammation in his back, I should say. This guy just signed a seven-year, $215 million contract. I've talked about this, and I'll continue to talk about this. I cannot wait for the day that Major League Baseball contracts are not 100% guaranteed. I cannot wait for that day. I'm not sure which I'd be more excited about. A verdict, a final verdict in the student-athlete conversation, which if they should get paid or not, or if the day comes that... Major League Baseball contracts are not 100% guaranteed. I don't know which one I'd be more excited about. Because Clayton Kershaw is getting a boatload of money, over $30 million a year. And he's missing one, I don't know, 135th of the season for him. What do you get, 30, 35 appearances a game depending on injury? He's missing one. This is, this is so glossed over all of the time because it's just how things are run, how things are. 
you pitch three good years, four good years, you get $200 million thrown at you. Granted, he's young. I understand that. He's a Cy Young winner. I get it. He's probably the best pitcher in baseball at this given time, barring injury. But having inflammation in your back, any sort of little injury, especially for a pitcher, and I'm not negating anything with the other position players, but with a pitcher, when you're on the mound, you're the most important person in the ballpark. And for there to be any sort of little twinge in your back, especially with his delivery, his windup and delivery is very unorthodox, and it's great because he hides the ball, and uh, pitchers don't know, uh, uh, batters don't know which pitch is coming, which is great. But can that delivery motion withstand the the test of time? Maybe I'm jumping to conclusions, but I'd be freaked out if I was the front office of of the Dodgers. And it seems like this always happens. Albert Pujols. I know he's older. You think he's 10 years older than uh, than Kershaw. Like, I get it. He plays every day. I get it. Huge contract. Played about half the year last year. And it was irrelevant. I understand he's a position player. I I mean, I get it. I, I get the differences. All of these big contracts, Josh Hamilton, Mark Teixeira, Alex Rodriguez, go down and down the list of guys that get paid a whole bunch of money and never perform. You can never live up to a $250 million contract in seven years unless you win five Cy Youngs and you win a World Series. In my opinion, that is the only way to live up to $215 million contract. Roger Clemens made 25 mil. For his last year, I think he won 20 games like that. Okay, fine, but he was, he was juicing, so you can't compare that. You can't even put that in the conversation. Allegedly juicing. My apologies. I'd be worried. Lucky for the Dodgers, they have one of the best, if not the best, rotation in majors. If they don't win the World Series, it'll be a letdown. They are expected to win the World Series this year. And with Clayton Kershaw having inflammation in his back with his, corn, with his contorted wind-up and, and, and pitching motion, I'd be, I'd be freaked out. They're playing it down. They're making it seem like he's not missing a start. They're just pushing his start back. He's just skipping a spot in rotation. Fine. But I guarantee you that if he weren't to get paid this week because he missed a start, he'd be pitching. Could that be detrimental to his health in the future? Yeah, I could. But missing a few hundred thousand dollar paycheck might cause athletes to do their due diligence and rehab more and get better. Play through a little pain. I'm not saying that athletes don't play through pain. I'm not, I'm not saying that in the least. But I'm saying that if it was a pay-for-play situation, he'd probably be pitching. Until athletes 
need to be held in, until they're held accountable for their performance. I will not agree with these big contracts. And it's not like football. So okay, so say hypothetically speaking, if the salary cap is four hundred million dollars in in the NFL, somebody gets a two hundred fifteen million dollar contract, they get sixty mil guaranteed, and they'd have to play for the rest of it. Incentives, performance, playing through injury. You signed up for this. Your body is your tool. Play through it. But because it's all guaranteed in baseball, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. I don't understand why I, I feel like I'm the only rational person in the room. I'm the only person in the room right now. I understand that. Like, come on, back off. But I, I feel like the rationality is lost in these big contracts, and I don't understand why people continue to do it, why front offices continue to pay these people boatloads of money not knowing what's going to happen in the future. I just don't get it. All it takes is one owner to stop giving this much money to people and take the Astros away and all these these smaller market teams away. I'm talking Dodgers, Yankees, Mets, Red Sox, Rangers. To stop paying their players so much and everybody else will follow suit. You can't make more money than you do in the United States playing baseball. Obviously, you cannot. All it takes is one person to start a trend and others will follow. Do, well, do I think it'll happen? Probably not. <clears throat> I think the contracts are going to get bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. $300 million, etc. Robinson Cano with the Mariners took a pay cut. He, he was supposed to get paid $200 million by the Yankees. It was reported 180 to 200. He took 220 from the Mariners. He could have got 300 if he held out. It's it's out of control these contracts. And with Clayton Kershaw on the forefront right now, with him being hurt, I think that owners and general managers need to take notice that these people are human. They're going to get injured. So the fact that you're going to pay them while they're sitting on their keisters. Doing nothing is preposterous to me. You're not putting people in the seats to watch somebody that's injured. I'm using Clayton Kershaw as as the scapegoat right now because he's done nothing wrong. He has a little twinge. It might be nothing. But it brings up the conversation of injuries are prevalent and why would you pay somebody who's going to be injured potentially for the whole year? I'm not talking about Clayton Kershaw. I'm talking in general. Mark Teixeira hasn't played a full season since he got that since he got that Mac Daddy deal in, with the Yankees. His performance has been cut in half, numbers wise. Josh Hamilton cut in half, numbers wise. He left the hitters' ballpark in Texas for money with the Angels. More or less a pitcher's ballpark, especially for lefties. Until those contracts stop becoming more and more inflamed, production will go down and teams will suffer. 
Carmen Lester Sports Talk, Alex Clancy in studio. We got to go at Clancy's Corner on Twitter. See you guys tomorrow. Thanks for tuning in this week. Join us every Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday at 12 noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific Time for another edition of Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk on the Voice America Sports Network. <laughs>